Welcome to Inside the Groove, and it's time for another in the Something to Remember feature, where I talk to a Madonna fan about how the world's biggest female pop star has soundtracked their life, getting them to choose the songs that have been the backdrop to their most significant memories over the years. Now, this week, I am talking to singer and songwriter Rod Thomas, aka Bright Light, Bright Light. He'll be known to many of you, I'm sure, but for those who don't know him, well, he's a proud LGBT musician recording what I would call pure pop music. He has duetted with various members of Scissor Sisters and even Elton John, but his latest album, Fun City, includes a collaboration with none other than Nikki Harris and Donna Thalori, the backup singers to Madonna, on many of her tours and hits. Rod, hello. How are you? Hello. <laughs> I'm well. How are you? I'm, I'm very good, thank you. Now, the funny thing is you come from Neath in South Wales, which is not very far from where I am right now, mm-hmm. but you're actually speaking to me uh, from New York City because you relocated there a, a short while ago. Uh, seven and a half years ago, I relocated here, actually. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, I haven't lived in the Neath Valley since I was a child or like, you know, late <laughs> teens. Um, but yes, I'm from just down the M4 from you. You've still got the accent a bit. I can hear it because I'm Welsh, but I'm not yes. sure if many people can hear it. It's funny you say that you relocated whenever it was seven and a half years ago, mm-hmm. because about seven and a half years ago, I was in Manhattan. Me and Gareth were there and we were walking down the street and I saw somebody walking towards me. I thought, that, isn't that weird? That looks like Rod Thomas from Bright Light, Bright Light. And this guy was looking back at me and, and it was you. And uh, you'd actually just moved there about two weeks earlier, I think, yes. when I bumped into you. Yes. <laughs> but it's the city of Madonna, isn't it? Manhattan. It is. Yeah, I mean, I actually live uh, a block away from where she used to live when she was making uh, the early movies and where she was living sort of like around the, the early to mid 80s, I think it was. Okay. Um, so it's kind of nice to be in her old like stomping ground. Um, the build- the building she was living in is long torn down, but it's nice to be in that, you know, vague vicinity. Because you are a Madonna fan, but I feel just from listening to your music, she's been a huge influence on your creative output as well. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, listening to dance music or the radio growing up in the 80s and 90s, you couldn't really get away from her. Like the first mm-hmm. song that I ever remember actively singing um, like me and my friend Laura, we were like five or something on my parents' wall and we were singing <laughs> Material Girl and <laughs> I don't think either of us knew what it was or um, had any concept of who sang it, but we knew it because it was just so omnipresent, you know? Yeah. Crazy. So I, I guess I would go straight in with the first question. Sure. What is the Madonna song that made you a mega fan? If Material Girl was the first one you sung, what was the one that turned you from, you know, to the point of no turning back? first Madonna song that made me a mega fan was Secret. Things haven't been the same since you came into my life. Wow, what a brilliant choice. 1994. Mm-hmm. What was it about Secret that really captured you? I think that it didn't really sound like anything she'd done before to me. It was so sensuous and really cool. I saw the video when I first heard the song and I just loved the black and white video. I loved her with the blonde hair and the nose ring. I thought she looked like she was having so much fun and it Mm -hmm. looked so like effortlessly cool. It was brilliant. Like the queer people in the video, this like sultriness of it in this venue in Harlem. 
the guitar, mm-hmm. the backing vocals, everything about it. I think it's just a perfect, perfect song. And I think I'm right in saying that Bedtime Stories is one of your favorite albums. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bedtime Story is my favorite Madonna album. Oh, it is your absolute yes, favorite. My absolute favorite, yeah. And do you think that's really influenced your work? Yeah, I think it has. Um, consciously and subconsciously, um, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> I think that like the, working with Björk for that title track <laughs> was so bonkers <laughs> and so unlike the rest of the album, but it's kind of a schizophrenic record that does really surprising things. It sounds really like it was recorded in one session and she was just working lots of different ideas out. It flows really well, even though it's so schizophrenic and so diverse in terms of like some of the production choices, but it's so warm, it's brilliant. Like the songwriting's gorgeous. Her voice sounds incredible on it. Mm. Um, I, I just love it. It's really interesting because we quite often speak on the podcast about how Madonna is underrated as as a singer and a composer, uh, etc. But also, she is a producer as well. And one of her big jobs on this album, she talked about it, was trying to give it an homogenous sound and make it feel complete. Even though I think she works with about five different producers and several mm. songwriters on it, and you feel that is accomplished with this album. Then, yeah, I definitely do. I really feel like it sounded like it was made with one vision in mind and it kind of sounds like you know kind of in like a creep show horror movie compilation style where like the idea of like bedtime stories like different tales that you weave together before bedtime or something they come from different places but they definitely work together and they sound like they came from the same room and the same session and that they were meant to be there together which is you know, it's become less frequent for her record, sadly, um, but it does sound like it was really created as a, as, as a piece. It's interesting you say that, especially with Secret, because we kind of think of Madonna for the big dance pop bangers or the sort of luscious ballads, but it's a real mid-tempo track that she doesn't really do that kind of stuff anymore, sadly. Yeah, I mean, I guess the closest would be like Ghost Town, but that's not mm-hmm. really a it's not it's very different again isn't it um mm-hmm. so no this is quite an incredible one in her catalog i think for just letting her voice do the talking it's really it's really special it's a really special track um it's just yeah it's just so warm and so wonderful and it was an amazing moment of like wow i didn't expect that from her great choice um okay on to the next question then um what's the song that you've seen madonna perform live that you you really enjoy her live performance of and perhaps you can sort of intertwine it with some memories of seeing it it was from the same album so it was her performance of bedtime stories at the brit awards that I loved about the whole rollout of the Bedtime Stories album was that the singles had these incredible Junior Vasquez remixes mm-hmm. um, or you know not Take a Bow but the, the kind mm-hmm. of dancier tracks and so like Secrets Reimagining was really cool but Bedtime Stories Reimagining was so house led and so euphoric and so dark and trippy and weird so to watch her with these like Jean-Paul Gaultier-esque 
silver dancers in the background and the wind <laughs> machine and that wig and she just looked like she was having a blast it brought the song to life it took the song way back up in the charts it was so fun and it really was like the moment that the album needed i think in the british eye um to mm-hmm. make it come to life because i think people sort of snoozed on it a little bit it was just a really cool moment in time where she's just walking around like grabbing hands of the people in the audience which she never does <laughs> and it was just amazing she looked like she was just like okay let's just make this as gay and sassy as possible and she just went out <laughs> and minced her way through the song and it was incredible there's a great picture from that um event where she's with elton um who of course i know you know and they've got a bit of a love-hate relationship but they're having really good fun i don't know if you know the photo she is just enjoying herself i think it's been a while since we've seen her have that much fun and it was really just so cool like i watch that video performance all the time on YouTube it's just so joyful and it really makes me just glad that she was there at that moment in time and it it just makes me want to go and listen to the whole album again it's such a cool song it's so weird you know you yeah. could have played one of the bigger hits from the record like she could have done secret but to do bedtime story and just do the remix it was just like she was being that little minx again and just thought I'm going to completely switch it up and have fun and it's just that that spirit of her is what I love so much it's a real shame she's not done a, a proper full performance of that on any of her tours because it is a really great song and a really firm fan favourite as well yeah and I can I can tell you a little something um, from that performance maybe of interest to some people but back then the Brits wasn't transmitted live um, it hadn't been for a few years because it hadn't been great at the end of the 80s and, and so it was broadcast the day after and I know somebody who was working on the post-production of it and Madonna actually came to the post-production house in Soho to sit in on the edit um, which is probably unheard of for a lot yeah. of pop stores but she's so in control she really wants to be across everything mm. that's that's really and, interesting actually like people forget that she you know as well as being a control freak she also has an incredible vision i think and people forget her role in the construction of these records and the this sort of genius and the planning and the the intricacy of it all you know to have that desire to be part of the post-production as well very few people ever care enough about that mm-hmm. in, as a as a pop star and maybe that's the reason why you know it's such a great performance because she mm-hmm. so hands-on in it yeah so so for the next song um I wanted to ask you, um, what's the underrated gem, the the song that you want to give justice for, the one that you think, you know, it may have been a single or or, or just an album track, but people don't give enough attention to? Uh, I'm assuming you know the song, but uh, the one that I've chosen is Time Stood Still. do indeed know that song and of mm-hmm. course it's from the soundtrack of the next best thing and mm-hmm. it was released in 1999 it's a beautiful song and uh, a real sort of typical madonna and william orbit track from around that period what is it you like about the song i think it really stands out as one of their strongest songs together that is the perfect hybrid of his trippy gorgeous world and a traditional pop song because like mm-hmm. you know you have it's sort of akin to like um, the power of goodbye, but it, I think it's a better song. I think it's a song that really outshines a lot of the tracks on Ray of Light as a standalone song. 
and I'm really shocked that it wasn't released as a single, given that it was also on the soundtrack to a film and it was a new Madonna song. Um, and it actually includes the the line, the next best thing yes, in it. So I know. I wonder if it had originally been the title track. I don't know. Who knows? It's yeah. It was bonkers to me that it wasn't released. Like her voice is incredible in it. The production is just divine, and it's a really cool song, which would have been played on the radio, I think, at the time, at the very least, just because William Orbit's production was everywhere with like her and All Saints. Madonna was very on vogue at the time. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm just really surprised that it never had any life. There's a real special relationship between Madonna and William Orbit. Um, I mean, oh, she has a lot of fantastic collaborations, but for me, it's one of my favorites. They seem to bring out the best yeah. in each other. I had a very interesting fact given to me um, last year. I think one of my best friends worked for a guy called David Collins, who was a, had a design studio in London and him and Madonna were friends. And David actually wrote the lyrics to uh, Drowned World, Substitute for Love. Of course. Yeah. That's um, really interesting. Yeah, he yeah. sent he sent it to her as a poem. She turned it into that song and it's an incredible song. It's one of my favorite on that. Uh, well, of her collaborations with William Orbit. It's amazing. Because you were right, because at the time they'd just done Beautiful Stranger and you mm-hmm. know she would go on to work with Me Waste, but I kind of feel there's a missing Madonna album that could have happened in sort of late 1999 where you had mm. all those because there's a lot of outtakes from around that era as well yeah. I mean what are your thoughts on American Pie which was of course the single that came out that time I hate it so much <laughs> don't hold back <laughs> I hate it so much I I can't cope with it it was a huge hit I know <laughs> Edward I'm very painfully aware <laughs> of how big a hit it was I hate it with every piece of my body I hate it it's a bit flat, isn't it? Well, it's just a disgusting song anyway. Like, I hate the song. I hate the song. I hate that, that she covered it. I hate that it was a hit. I hate everything about it so much. <laughs> like, I'm like, you know, Mrs. White, like flames, flames on the side of your face. I hate it so much. I can't describe in human words how much I hate it. I feel like I've really touched a nerve here. <laughs> I hate it so <laughs> have you, much. Have you seen the movie, though, The Next Best Thing? Yes. Thoughts? It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> of course it's terrible. Um, I, it's, you know, it's sort of like... It's in that grey zone between um, absolute trash and enjoyable trash. And it's just not campy enough to be super fun, I think, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you mm-hmm. can't really hate watch it because it's not like a showgirls or a uh something like that it's sort of like in the the land of like burlesque where it's not crap mm-hmm. enough to be amazing it's just like oh it's fine you know so i'm trying to think this period sort of 99 2000 where would you have been in your life and you know as hoping to be a musician etc can you sort of place yourself back then oh god um 99 i think i was doing my gcse's or something so when you grow up in the coal mining valleys in Wales, you basically think that you'll go to university if you do that or if you can do that, and then you'll get a job, and then any music stuff will just be, you know, as a hobby on the side, really. So that's just mm-hmm. what I thought my um, my world was going to be, and I really wanted to do PR for bands. That was my career goal, um, and that didn't work out, so I just ended up being a musician which is very random so I, I never thought that I would um, 
ever get to do anything like, you know, make music and have people that were on the Ray of Light album on one of my songs. Mad. Well, I have to talk about that. Can you explain how it happened that you got to work with Donna and Nikki? Oh, God, I don't know if I can. Um, <laughs> so I um, have lots of friends and fans all over the place, and one of them uh, happened to work with Nikki. Um, so mm-hmm. a few years ago, he messaged me saying, like, I think it would be fun if at some point we did something together, whether it was a remix or a co-write or, you know, you take a stab at something. And um, I think that would fit really well because of my obvious, like, music musical appreciation of Madonna and what mm-hmm. Nikki's done. You know, I love the songs that Nikki's done um, with Snap and with lots of other people across the years. So we were sort of chatting and I couldn't think of any solid ideas, but when I wrote This Was My House, I kind of wrote the acapella and I sent it to Initial Talk to produce, um, mm-hmm. who is this incredible producer over in Japan. And he's a huge throwback revivalist. So he sent over this production or this remix effectively, which was very like, you know, Shep Pettibone leaning. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, oh, maybe this is the song that I take to Nikki and maybe Nikki and Donna will do it. <laughs> and so I ended up sending it to um, to Bill, who then sent it to Nikki and Donna, and then Donna started emailing, and then we chatted about it and worked it out. And and yeah, just sort of became friends with them over email, and they were in New York doing a, a little show at my friend's mm-hmm. bar. We ended up making time. I went to their rehearsal room and they recorded it. And then I went to their show the next night and Nikki was like, why don't you just introduce us to stage? So I did. <laughs> it was very random. And um, and yeah, it's, that was it. So basically you lived out every Madonna fan's fantasy for that period then. <laughs> yes. Yeah, very much so, which was just crazy. <laughs> okay, so moving on. Um, I've already asked you uh, about American Pie and you were quite clear that it's not your favourite, but is there another Madonna song that if you could erase from history that you would? Turn up the radio. You're not the first person to say this. Really? Okay, no, no, and that's absolutely fine. There's a lot of people that don't like this song, but mm. why? Explain to me why. It's just shit. Like, <laughs> it's really, it's just a really crap dance song. I heard a demo of it before she rewrote some of the lyrics. Mm-hmm. So I'd already heard the song and I already didn't like it. <laughs> and then that's one of the benefits of being like in the inside of the music industry. Like this was originally going to be for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then she heard it and took it and changed some of the lyrics and it became a Madonna song. And I was absolutely gutted because I just think it's a dreadful song. I think it's just an inane Martin Solvig production that was by numbers. It's so charismaless. It's so ununique to anyone, let alone Madonna. Like she, I feel like she just deserves way more than this song. And I cannot believe that it was a single. So the MDNA album on the whole isn't much loved by a lot of fans. What are your feelings on on the rest of the album? I think it's got some really cool moments, you know? I think it's got some real moments of shine in a, in mm-hmm. a, it's a mess, 
but it is a kind of like amazing mess in moments like gangbang is problematic but actually pretty good mm-hmm. um i'm addicted i think is amazing i think it's an amazing song um masterpiece is pretty mm-hmm. there are a few other moments that i think were really great and it could have been a really special record if there was more love put into it but it does seem like there wasn't much joy surrounding that the making of that record do you know what i mean yeah it's interesting because there's a song that was on the limited edition called beautiful killer which i know a lot of people would rather was on the main album instead of turn up the radio it just feels much yeah. more madonna yeah th- th- that's the thing i think because it is such a strong martin solvig by the numbers production very mm-hmm. akin to that like hello song that was a big hit Dragonette, yeah yeah you're very aware that it wasn't written by madonna for madonna it was just mm-hmm. one of those like a and r pitching songs that somehow made its way to madonna's team and they thought it was a smart move to put a production by a big producer on her record and it's just so flat to me i just hate it can i ask if that's ever happened to you has um a label or whoever ever said to you can you do something like this that perhaps you haven't felt was right to to what you do as, a, as an artist no because i've never been signed <laughs> <laughs> so that's the beauty of of being uh, self-releasing your stuff then it's the one upside yes um oh a long time ago when i had a, a manager as part of like a big management company they were mm-hmm. dead against me doing electronic music and they wanted me to basically be like an Ed Sheeran sound alike and I said no because that's not what I wanted to do and then we parted ways mm-hmm. and evidently he he became a global superstar and I did not <laughs> but that's not what I wanted to do and I don't think I'd be good at doing that kind of music you know like I don't think it would read as something that came innately from me and I never would have been able to do anything like you know like this month I got to score a short horror movie and I got mm-hmm. to work with Nikki and Donna and you know Scissor Sisters and stuff like that and I don't think any of that would have happened had I been making music more like they were expecting me to like more organic acoustic stuff I don't think that would have led to the place that I am and being more involved with LGBTQ plus community work um so I don't think that was right, even if it would have made me a couple of million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so for the final question, um, mm-hmm. I'd like you to imagine there's a Madonna tribute concert <laughs> and you've been asked to perform a Madonna song. And I know you have performed some of her songs live before, but what would be the one that you would choose to showcase, I guess, yourself, but really is, is the ultimate Madonna song for you to perform live? What would be your choice? <sighs> one that I sing to myself a lot and one that I have performed once or twice, I think, is Take a Bow. I just think it's so amazing, you know? I don't know if you remember, in the UK, it was a relative flop at the time. I mean, it got it to number 10, I think. It was non-top 10 single. And in the in, in the US, it was this enormous hit. It was yep. a real sort of strange thing going on there. But it's a, looking back, or listening back even, it's a fantastic song. Yeah. I really think it's just, 
it's really tragically sad and the lyrics are not hugely you know um out of this world but it's just a perfectly constructed song that has some really divine vocal moments on the record baby faces back and vocals are just oh incredible. gorgeous really gorgeous the production is so cool the string arrangement is amazing like it's a really filmic song that i just i'm so in love with that song i really find it so heartbreaking and so i want to live inside it like it just sounds so perfect so how would you perform it would you do it with a big orchestra or just you on a piano what what were your thoughts of how it would work oh like a big old stinking gay dance remix <laughs> no i'm joking um it would be really cool to perform that like w- with an orchestra would be amazing you know mm-hmm. it would be so cool to do that and just hear the strings doing all of those parts and maybe like a sort of stripped down male voice choir doing the backing vocals would be really fun i'm seeing you on the stage the royal arbor hall mm-hmm. 96 piece orchestra oh. behind you you in oh. a piero costume perfect yep. <laughs> or just like a, one of those little berets with a little veil can't wait i really can't wait let's it's, let's wish it into existence <laughs> what an incredible song and i i was really so crushed that it sounds so pathetic but i was really crushed that that wasn't a top 10 hit for madonna i cannot understand how that song did not get in the top 10 of the UK. it's funny and i don't want to be morbid but i've had this conversation with other people there are so many songs of madonna's that when she's no longer with us people are going to really reevaluate. it's not necessarily going to be into the groove and holiday that people are going to be sending to the top of the charts i think i think you're right that this is one of those songs that kind of defines that period in her career it was such a cool contrast to the rest of bedtime stories in a way you know like mm-hmm. It was so different from Secret, even though it does fit next to it, but it was such a sidestep. And then it's so different from (laughs) Bedtime Story, obviously, and Human Nature. It's just such a gorgeous, like, vulnerable human moment after the kind of sexual overtones of, like, Inside of Me and Mm -hmm. the, you know, the hardness of Human Nature and then some of the more throwaway moments like don't stop it's mm-hmm. just a really poignant song to end the record with it's it's just amazing so we know that madonna probably won't be putting new music out for a while but the mm-hmm. film of her life is coming up any thoughts on that um optimistically terrified <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough <laughs> yeah i i really have no idea it's weird now to think of um biopics coming out while the person is still alive um i know that like back in the day there was the tina turner film but that didn't really feel like a kind of career biopic that was more like a life biopic which i suppose this is what the madonna one will be but she doesn't seem done Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like neither does elton Mm -hmm. which is why but i mean elton's been performing for twice as long as madonna Mm -hmm. so that did seem like a fitting time to make like mm-hmm. a biopic about him because he spanned so many decades. With Madonna, it feels almost like a bit premature to do it about her. Where do you think she will go next with her music? Any ideas? Any hopes? Probably not where you'd want her to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I would love to see her do something super cool, like a more stripped back record that lets her be quite dramatic and dark something like uh, an album version of like the something to remember compilation would be fun 
I, I really liked Madam X and I know that not many people did, but I think it had some really cool um, perspective in terms of what it was trying to achieve. And watching the little mini documentary about it on Amazon, mm-hmm. I, I loved that she thought so much about some of the sounds and some of the inspiration for the tracks. And she clearly found people that inspired her in a place where she didn't really know, have many roots. Mm-hmm. And I, I really respect the fact that she took like a journey and was trying to do some kind of story or narrative with this record. And whether that was successfully executed or not, I think is somewhat beside the point for her. Mm-hmm. But there were some really incredible moments on the album that I really love. Like Crave is one of my favorite songs that she's yeah. done, I think. And Come Alive. Yeah, I don't know. I'm interested to see where she'll go next. I really am always intrigued by this woman <laughs> <laughs> well maybe she's sat at home at the moment on instagram thinking oh it's about time i did a bright light bright light collaboration wouldn't that be fun <laughs> I, she's like one of my you know top five that i would love to work with obviously like most people say that but yeah. i would really really love to do something with her i think it would be a lot of fun do you think she'd be scary to work with her terrifying <laughs> but then i feel like if i can work with Elton John mm-hmm. and I can tour with Cher then I can definitely stay afloat around Madonna. <laughs> Rod, thank you so much for joining the podcast and Welcome. all the best in the future. Thanks for having me. Grinding wide.